Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's time for Batter Up, the definitive Atlanta Braves podcast with hosts Joe Patrick and Caleb Johnson, giving you exclusive insight into our Braves. From Sports Radio 92.9, the game. Here's Joe and Caleb. Welcome into Batter Up on this Tuesday, October the 5th. October the 5th coming after the Braves have, thankfully, very thankfully, clinched a spot in the uh, Major League Baseball postseason. Caleb Johnson here with my co-host Joe Patrick. Joe, how you feeling? I'm feeling great. I didn't think we would get here and be in this in these seats talking about what we're going to be talking about today at some points during the season. And maybe I did toward the end, but definitely that day that Ronald Acuna tore his ACL and he was on the field crying, I didn't think we were going to be here. So uh, I just feel kind of grateful uh, in that respect that we actually have some postseason baseball to talk about and enjoy. And um, it's still kind of shocking to me that this team did indeed go on and so I had been talking um, about midway through the season that if this team wanted to make the playoffs, it probably like if they wanted to get to 90 wins, they were all of a sudden going to need to turn it on and be one of the best teams in baseball from that point of the season onward. And they pretty much did that. They ended up on 88 wins, which was more than enough to in the end to, to see them over the line. But uh, just a huge credit to the team for the way they performed. And I honestly do think that this team is playing some of the best baseball in the major leagues right now. If you look at it from since the all-star break, they only lost, they've only lost five games by more than two runs since the all-star break. That is, that is crazy good. Uh, and that's on top of a, what a 43 and 28 record uh, in that span. That might be off by a game or two, but um, just really, really impressive baseball. Yeah. This team is playing. And so it's going to be a fun postseason. Yeah. And, it, and it's also nice. You, you talk about having a, a strong finish, the finish that the Braves really needed to focus on was that Philly series. Uh, yeah. Did you expect to see it go down like that in a sweep that was relatively easy? Yeah. I mean, the first win of that series was huge because the first Absolutely, win yeah. made it uh, – that alone averted the big disaster scenario that you were always trying to avoid in that series because the, at the end of the day, the Braves had the leeway. They were the team that went into the series up two and a half games, so it was the onus was really on the Phillies – to make sure they got all the the wins they could get in that series. And then just by winning that first game really put them in the driver's seat. And then from there on out, it was, it wasn't easy, but you know, they were well-played games by both teams, I thought. And it was just really nice to see the Braves, you know, come out on, on the right side of them. Um, and I think deservedly so. Of course, some of the games got interesting when that ball went off of yeah. Eddie Rosario's glove in the outfield. I think we were all um, pulling our hair out and, you know, thinking, you know, here's Atlanta again you know another Atlanta sports thing happening but uh no great to see this team kind of pull through that and then on that last day was that Thursday was that the last day or was it Friday yep. I can't remember no, it, was yeah, it was Thursday yeah um 
it felt that night like they were not going to be denied. It, it felt like that from b- before first pitch, you know, just with the the atmosphere and the stadium and the with from the fans and just the way they were playing, just felt like they were not going to be denied. And then of course Ian Anderson goes out there and throws another gem. They got three really good starting pitching performances in that series, and that's what got them the win ultimately. Well, and then we got to see a a nice celebration. Uh, obviously, getting to do it at home makes it that much sweeter. Uh, you know, I, I saw a side of Brian Snicker that I feel like I haven't seen in a while. I know he like he's the fun, lovable kind of guy. Um, but in these last couple of years, you see more of the like grandpa style of Brian <laughs> Snicker uh, and him getting to talk to the stadium and you know, just that was talk, awesome. Yeah, talk about how proud he was, and you could see he's fighting back tears. I'm still, I'm still strong in my position that I think this is it for him. But that's beside the point. Uh, you just saw this like level of joy out of him that I don't know. You wouldn't have got a couple of years ago, uh, and this appreciation, I think, obviously for not only having fans back in the stadium to be able to just capture that moment but then also you talked about it for us you know starting this thing in that midway point through the season and we're just like man can we get through this year so that we can get on to next year and have a healthy team and have a real chance at winning a world series and now we're sitting here you know with the Braves about to start you know this first series against the Brewers with as real of a shot as I think they did last year. I don't know. I don't know how you feel. Yeah, no, I think I think we'll get into it. I think it's a, a very winnable series for the team. The the, the Brewers are favored uh, just barely in the book uh, in the sports books. I think they're favored to win it in five games, and it should be a very close series. And we're going to get into it later in the show. So there's a lot to get into. But yeah, you know, it was interesting hearing from all the different you know players, Brian Snicker, Alex Anthopoulos after the or during the celebrations. Thursday night down there on the field, which was awesome, by the way, I got to say, just for media, because normally we would do our, well, since the pandemic, we've been doing everything over Zoom. Yeah. Before that, we would have been down the clubhouse, and that's always fun to kind of be in the champagne showers, although it is kind of annoying that you get wet, but it's also really fun <laughs> to get wet. Um, but it was cool to just be down on the field, because it's just a, a, a perspective you don't get from being actually on the playing field inside the stadium and just kind of seeing it all around you. So that was, that was cool. But um, it was interesting for me to hear these guys really speak candidly about um, how much gratification they got from this particular division win, especially as it compares to the last few years. It seems to me like the consensus was it was kind of 50-50 between whether this one was sweeter versus 2018. Uh, Of course, you can understand why 2018 would have been so sweet, especially for players who had been in the Braves organization prior to – or uh, been in the Braves organization during that kind of rebuilding era where there were so yeah. many rough seasons. I think especially for a guy like Freddie Freeman, I think he said 2018 was the sweetest, but this one was second. But I think, you know, Alex Anthopoulos said that this one was by far the toughest season he's ever gone through. And I think for that reason, the most kind of rewarding at the end of it. And hey, for him, especially yeah. this season, I mean, he gets special kudos because, you know, this team is not celebrating, uh, you know, and, and smoking cigars and drinking champagne Thursday night if it weren't for Alex Anthopoulos making some incredible moves at the trade deadline. We thought they were good at the time. We thought they were decent pickups. 
no one could have thought they were going to end up being as important um, for this team as they ended up being. So major, major props to him for, for those, uh, for those moves. Yeah. I, you, you talk about the moves and, and it's one of those, it, it's so funny. Like we, we've all become broken records talking about what Alex Anthopoulos did at the trade deadline, but I think it is because it is so impressive because at the trade deadline, I don't know how you feel, Joe, but I, I feel like you feel the same as me is when you saw the names, Jock Peterson, you know, Jorge Soler, you know, uh, Eddie Rosario, you're just kind of going, all right, these are solid pieces, but you almost, you almost had to make those moves just because your outfield was so depleted. I mean, you're, you're, you're literally playing guys in the outfield like a Orlando Arcia who aren't outfielders. You know, yeah. I, I think there was at one point where uh, I remember tweeting out right around the trade deadline that there were th- only three real outfielders on the Braves, you know, active roster at the time. Like it was that depleted. So you had to make these moves just for the fact of got to do something. Uh, right. But for those, you know, and, and I guess to see the the Joey Gallows to see the other big names go other places. And you kind of go, well, it would have been nice, but we'll do with this because at least they'll get us through the season. And maybe a couple of these guys will be back next year for when it really matters. Uh, and, and then it really mattered this year and they really showed out. And I mean, to me, Jorge, Jorge Soler is, is the one that really sticks out of just, what a what a absolute dime of a move to to get him off the scrap pile in mm-hmm. Kansas City and really turn yeah I mean he's just been a a bona fide home run hitter for the rest of the way I mean he hit more home runs in Atlanta than he did in Kansas City this year and what I mean we always call the all-star break kind of the first half and second half but it's not really the first half and second half it's like the first 45 or the yeah. first 90 games versus you know the next 70 or whatever it is so and, and a lot of those home runs that he hit in that first half before the all-star break came in like the 10 games prior to when the Braves traded for him which Alex Anthopoulos pointed out when when they made the deal that he said we think he's getting hot that he's fix something with his swing he's seeing the ball better whatever it is and he that can carry over to us and he was absolutely right about that and I would give Brian Snicker credit too for you know making the move to put him up at the leadoff spot I think that that's really been a game changer especially when you look at the run that the Braves actually went on but before they won the division you know uh, I think a lot of us myself included were kind of so caught up in the race and we weren't really seeing the forest for the trees in terms of just how well the Braves were playing during that stretch during the 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 that west coast road trip they were I think they had won nine out of ten by the time by on that Thursday night when they ended up clinching I mean that's a really it's tough you know that's that wins you the division right there so um yeah what uh, it's been so important and I thought that Alex Anthopoulos said something really interesting on the field when he was talking about you know the environment around that trade deadline and kind of where the organization was something that surprised me about the kind of the, the what Terry McGurk the Braves chairman made available to him um at the trade deadline Never. I mean, you're making moves, you're making decisions, you're adding a ton of money from a payroll standpoint. And again, you know, Terry McGurk in July, you know, we've got payroll in the offseason in July, he told me things have changed. You know, fans, attendance was top of the league in attendance. We have some money, go out and do what you need to do and add. And he gave me a quite a bit of money. I, there was no player I couldn't get at the time. He gave me a large amount of money to work with and the freedom to go and do it. And that was huge. That's That was surprising. I didn't, I didn't, 
see that. I mean, obviously, we knew that they added payroll at the time, but that's kind of a, an interesting little revelation that he revealed there. Um, and maybe it speaks good, well to what the Braves can do in the future. I'm not sure, but um, I don't know. Any reaction that you have to that? It feels so much like revisionist history uh, because to say that now, of course, I mean, there there are some names that you're kind of going like, well, why didn't you go <laughs> yeah. after, you know, kind of thing. And it's one of those, it's almost like uh, Alex Anthopoulos is kind of patting himself on the back of like, look, Terry gave me all the money I wanted, and these were the guys that I wanted. I, you know, I wanted, and, and, and I mean, look, the one of the big ones that I think is a guy that I wanted on the, I wanted on this team since the start of the season was Adam Duvall. Mm. I think that was a guy who should have never left. And I, I mean, I think uh, they've admitted that he never would have left had they not made those cuts to the payroll that he yeah. mentioned in the clip. Yeah. So. You know, all right, so maybe it was, uh, so, you know, maybe only two outfielders would have come in uh, and and joined this roster instead of four. Um, and, you know, maybe you wouldn't have added Richard Rodriguez, which, you know, does he matter, does he not? Uh, but <laughs> we'll all talk of, about him later. Yeah, but all of these things are, are, are kind of, uh, what an interesting thing. And also just such a, you get to say that now kind of thing right. uh, you know <laughs> of course yeah, of yeah. like oh yeah we could have gone and got anybody we wanted these guys like it, it's a very raw raw sort of thing and also just very interesting because like like you were kind of alluding to joe um now that you've said that alex we get to hold you to that in this upcoming off season when we go oh you could spend at the trade deadline let's spend now because attendance has, has stayed you know, consistent and, um, you know, the Braves can potentially make a deep run here. And everybody has their eye on a certain way that the money can or should be spent. And that is, of course, <laughs> on uh, the baseman. team's reigning MVP and, uh, yeah, star player. Uh, I do want to also play this. Alex Anthopoulos t- told this funny story about Freddie Freeman and uh, some delicious cold treats as well. Definitely the most, and not to take anything away from those other teams, but this is by far the most special title. Um, we added we added an, an ice cream machine in the clubhouse during the year. Fred, Freddie Freeman really wanted it, so we added a, a soft serve, and I told him, I think in June, we were going back and forth on text at some point, and he said, if we win this division, I'm getting one delivered to your house. I told him today, you want, you want it? We'll get it delivered tomorrow. He's like, nah, we're okay, we're okay. <laughs> he said Charlie would be really excited. So that's funny. They, you know, Alex Anthopoulos investing in the ice cream machine in the Braves clubhouse. Hopefully that pays dividends down the line and uh, Freddie Freeman respects the move. Okay, honestly, though, this is something that you and I, Joe, can relate to on a, on a spiritual <laughs> yes, level. It is. Okay, yes, it is. A- a- and anyone who covers any, you know, event as media at Mercedes-Benz Stadium can attest to that Carvel ice cream machine <laughs> up there is powers. heavenly and i will never forget i think it was i can't remember what game that i covered that you know they shut it down for the pandemic obviously uh it's something that i guess you know germs can swap easier than the little mm-hmm. prepackaged meals that they had but i remembered showing up to the georgia cincinnati bowl game uh and the ice cream machine was working and He's i back. just Oh, uh, that was the greatest feeling ever. Made the ever. day. Made yeah, the day. so I understand. I understand this from Freddie's perspective. Of honestly, you you having a bad day or something like that. 
ice cream machine there, soft serve specifically, is there to make your day. You have a good day. You want to celebrate. Ice cream machine is there to brighten your day. So I will be interested to see with how the Braves perform in this offseason, or, or, or excuse me, in this postseason, uh, whether we can, you know, look back at, well, th- those those outfield signings were pretty smart and trades were smart. But what about that ice cream machine? Cause... What about what about the ice cream? In fact, Caleb, I have gone back, and we're going to bring this thing full circle. <laughs> okay. We've talked many times on this show about that infamous Charlie Morton quote when he talked about how things got to improve. That was on June 22nd. Now, I don't know the exact date that the ice cream machine came okay. in, but Alexanthopoulos okay. did mention it was in June, and Charlie Morton said, I've got the quote right here. He says, from an organizational strategy going forward into the break, certainly if we can't close the gap or maintain a closeness in the standings, like, you know, it's just the reality of it. Alex is going to have some tough decisions to make. And, of course, that's not exactly when the turnaround started that moment, but it wasn't soon after that, that uh, the team started really busting out. Um, even after losing, that was, you know they had Ronald Acuna Jr. at that point uh, still healthy. So, um, yeah, no, it's just fun. But it is, it, it did kind of strike me just um, the position that the team was in at that point in the season. And at one point, we were seriously discussing whether this team was going to trade away Charlie Morton. Yeah. And now he's going to be starting Game One in the NLDS and uh, has a new, fresh, you know, extension that will take him potentially two years more with it with the Braves. So. Um, just kind of funny how all this stuff ended up playing out. Yeah, before we get to looking at the division series, there was something that came up in our group chat with our old bud Willie P, uh, where we were we were discussing one Atlanta beat writer, uh, Jeff Schultz, <laughs> who, what less than twenty four hours after the Braves win uh, and clinch the division. Jeff's throwing out there. I can't remember the the headline specifically. Maybe you have it, Joe. But it's no, that I actually I don't have it on me. Well, um, but it's just the idea that all right, good that the Braves did this, but now it gets on to the stuff that really matters. And mm-hmm. I and Peter Moylan, um, a guy that I am very fond of, <laughs> and I I would love to at some point. We tried to get him on the beginning of the of the season, and I think he went on vacation uh, when we tried to get him, but. A guy that I respect a ton was like, ah, there we go, <laughs> like, Atlanta. 12 hours later, here comes Schultze, which it was a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but I really enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah, of, of this like, oh, man, can't let us have anything. Uh, and it seemed like you and I are on opposing views of how to, how to look at all of this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because as much credit as I have given Alex Anthopoulos, and, and I have, and I think he deserves a massive amount of credit for the signings that he's made that have made this ball club so much better, so much to the point that they can win the division. I'm on the side of now is the time that it actually matters. Now is the time to see, did those, bringing in those outfielders, did that do enough to make the difference, or is this team still at the point that it was last year of coming up close, but just not enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think the so my kind of take on this was that, um, like they're not wanting the team to 
do well in the postseason is not mutually exclusive from like celebrating the division win. And like the only way, well, not the only way, because of course you have wild cards and stuff, but in the Braves circumstances here, like you needed to win the division if you wanted to even have a chance at getting to, uh, or having a chance at competing for a championship. So, um, I see no reason not to celebrate it fully. <laughs> like you just won something and then you know, there's more for this team to play for now. But, you know, I, I definitely do respect the, the, the argument and I will put my hand up and say, you know, I was um, a couple, was it? Uh, yeah, no, it was last year when the, so when the team lost to the Dodgers last year, I remember I was in the postgame press conference, which was like just on zoom. Um, but I had my zoom open and not my Twitter feed. And I was just kind of, um, banging out some tweets from the quotes that were coming out of the game, which and and a lot of them were from Brian Snicker, kind of trying to, you know, keep his head high and say, you know, listen, we're a we're a young team, we've got a good foundation, we feel like we can improve from here, and and you know, have, we'll have more chances. And I thought I I agreed with that and uh, was tweeting it out. And I and when I got back to my timeline, I saw a lot of rage from Braves, um, you know, Braves Twitter at this kind of rhetoric from Brian Snicker saying, you know, um, you don't know that you don't know when you'll be back. And we the the bottom line was that this year we had a chance to to win a World Series and we didn't get it done and we kind of lost the game. And the series really laid on and we have nobody but ourselves to blame. And I thought that that was harsh at the time, but now I am kind of realizing the truth in those words. And so I would say that, you know, there, you should have more, uh, you, you can't go into a postseason thinking like, okay, it's, this is a developmental time for our organization. And um, if we can at least like win this division series, then that's successful and we can be proud of that. And um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. The bottom line is that the Braves have a chance to, win a championship that's what the playoffs are for the goal of it is to win the title and um and honestly you know to go back to what we were saying at the beginning of the show the Braves are playing some of the best baseball in the league so there's no reason to think that they wouldn't be a, a legitimate contender to go on and win this thing especially when you look at the pieces they have on the roster with two really good starting pitchers that you can rely on pretty much every time they take the mound now and Charlie Morton and Max Freed um you know you, I, I don't know if you shouldn't maybe expect the team to win the world series. They are obviously not, they're probably maybe one of the bigger underdogs of all the teams that made the postseason. Um, but they still have a chance and, and you got to try to hope that they can get as far as you can. And I will now kind of no longer be as sympathetic to some of those messages. Um, if the Braves get knocked out this time around, because we saw like this year, you would have thought, you know, despite all the things that I thought Brian Snicker said that were true at the end of last year, you go into this year, you lose Marcelo Zuna, you lose uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. So you just never know what is around the corner and when is going to be the next time that you're back here again. Of course, the Braves now are in a situation where Freddie Freeman's situation is technically uncertain. We think he'll be back, but you don't, you never know about these things. So um, yeah, I, I, I am sympathetic to kind of the argument that you make, Caleb. That's well, my diplomatic way of... Yeah, it's kind of just, here's part of it. You go all all the way back. I'll take it back from the beginning of, of the point you were trying to make. And that Brian Sticker at the end of last season, you know, I, I mean, after that, um, was it game six loss? I can't remember. To now. the Dodgers? Yeah. It was game, well, they went seven games. No, it was seven games. I'm sorry. Yeah, but they um, lost game six, I think. They should have won game six and they lost it the as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, but... At the end of that, like, what else is he going to say? Like, what else is there to say other than sure, to be optimistic sure. of, yeah, we'll be back here again? Um, I was one of those people who was like, this was your shot and you blew it. Really annoyed. <laughs> uh, but also, 
it's because a lot of the times in sports, broadcasters and media and, and people will have this idea of like, well, it's too early for this team. Like, like it's, it's too soon for this team. They're not really ready yet. The Atlanta Hawks had a similar thing. Like we had the same thing in this city just earlier this year where the Hawks too young, too early. It's not their time yet. Make it all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals. And if not for a Trey Young injury, I think are competing in a finals. Mm-hmm. And yet it doesn't happen. And so, of course, you can say, well, this team's going to be right back there next year. You don't know that. Like, you never know that. And so to this is another point of the of the year where, look, let's be real. If the Braves blow it in this Brewer series and they don't, you know, make it past in the postseason, or if they make it all the way up, you know, and and are, and are playing probably the Dodgers, if not the Giants, uh, you know, and, and the NLCS and and blow it and don't make it to a World Series, there's not going to be a lot of, oh man, this team really blew it. It'll be mm-hmm. a whole lot more optimistic of like, man. This team really did do a lot with with what they had. However, it just gets so old. Mm-hmm. And this like like this is and, and I think like part of my frustration, uh I say frustration, but like seeing the Braves celebrate their their pennant, you know, being able to win the division. That was cool, but like going and, and jumping in the fountain and all that, I was kind of of the like you didn't win the World Series yet. Like, you just won the division. Like, even Brian Snicker talking to the fans, I was like, man, you're talking like you won a ring, and all you've got is another pennant to put up to the other 20 that you've, you know, that you've got out at Truist Park. Like, it's it's one of those... You so I guess this- maybe that's where we differ right? because I have no problem at all with them doing that because to well, me see, that they they just accomplished something that they had to do to, if they wanted to win a championship. Yeah, but it's also one of those. This is their fourth one in a row, so like you know, it's kind of one of those like act like you've been there before. Like who? I think my thing yeah, to it's you just was about the decorum. Yeah, but my thing to you is like who's really buying, uh, you know, division champs gear from the team store or fanatics after this like not that many i mean sure i have a friend of mine who posted pictures (laughs) in hat t-shirt and all like he had the whole get up and i was like well there's your person that does it but otherwise they they exist they're out there yeah so i I think it was just like the frustration comes from man i really don't want another postseason of like well this is a good shot but you know, this isn't our year. Next year is our year because it's always next year for the Braves. Uh, but at the same time, I do myself have to realize that it is a it is an honest big accomplishment for them to have gotten to this point. I understand their celebration this year because of the pandemic that took away fans last year because of thinking they if they had not made any moves, I firmly believe the Braves would have been at the bottom of this division, it may be better than the Marlins. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, like, that's where the trajectory was headed. So this massive pivot is impressive, but it, it is just one of those that I don't mind when I see an article like that written where I go, look, there is still people in this city holding this team to high standards who go, great job that you won the division. You, you, you know, like, you did the thing that you had to do 
to get on to the next level. Now let's do something once we get on to the next level. And that's and and that's it. And and I, I think to their credit, they didn't win the next night, but they did end up winning two out of three in the final yeah. series. So I think that they yeah. did kind of I, I think they do have the mentality of, you know, this that was a one night celebration and that we have more to come. I mean, I know Austin Riley was saying that I don't know if it's even worth playing the audio because it's just kind of the cliche that things players say. But um, I, I, I think that this team does kind of have its sights set uh, ahead and we know yeah. how competitive Freddie Freeman is as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, overall, that was a good discussion. And um, <laughs> I thought it was just a yeah, it was good for uh, us to kind of lay that out there. Here's a random thought before you. For you yeah, before sure. we go into the next thing do you know the comedian nate barsgate uh-uh. okay well once we finish and whoever is watching and listening to this podcast go look up nate barsgate he's a hilarious comedian from nashville tennessee uh it just clicked with me when i listened to austin riley this past week and i think it was after they clinched that the two of them sound so much alike and now i can't hear them apart from each other and so the, the like the fame that Nate Barsgate is getting because he's got a podcast and and he's done a lot of touring and Netflix specials and everything, uh, but yeah, now I can't hear those names uh, apart from each other. So if anyone is listening and feels the same, leave a comment because uh, I would like to know that I'm not alone in my random thoughts. <laughs> um, but here's the thing that you know, obviously, people listening are going to be interested in in the fact that. The Braves are headed to the postseason. They're going to face uh, the the Milwaukee Brewers in a best of five series. That thankfully, and I and I uh, I tweeted and included you in this, Joe. Yeah. We get some early games starting on Friday at four thirty-seven. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be very interested to see. You know, I'm gonna have my watch out and Not see. Not thirty-eight. Thirty-seven's yeah, the are number. Are we exact? Are we exact <laughs> with? Uh, you know the timing there, uh-huh. but uh, and, you know, and of course Charlie Morton is going out and is going to uh, be the starting pitcher for the Braves, a name that you know we maybe didn't expect to see uh, even earlier. I mean, even in the second half of the season, I still would have thought until maybe two weeks ago, I would have thought Max Reed then Charlie Morton, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian Snicker obviously leaning on it and not that it even really matters. You're getting that one, two punch either way, but for that experience to come out, uh, in game one. Well, it is. I, I think that one of the reasons he did go with Max Fried in game two is that it means that Max Fried will pitch on full rest for game five, um, mm-hmm. if needed. And, and Max Fried is a guy, if you look at his splits on his career, he is, it is much different. It's strikingly different him pitching on full rest versus when he doesn't have a full allotment of rest. In fact, when he, and when he has extra rest, like he'll have going into game two, he's even better. So um, that's good. But I think, you know, when you look at the game, one starter would not get their full rest going into, if they had to pitch in game four, they would have just because of the way the schedule works out, they would have one less day. So, and I think, if yeah. there's anybody who you would trust more in that shorter day rest, then, yeah, it makes sense that it'd be Charlie Morton, right? Yeah, I think so. And I think that, you know, it'll be very interesting to see how this series unfolds and what they decide to do in that game for. I think that it right now, it's, I would consider it purely up in the air. Uh, I think that if they are winning the series 2-1 by the time they get to game four, I don't know if Morton starts that game. Maybe they start with Waskar Yanoa, or they could start with 
they could just do like a whole bullpen game like they've had some success doing in the second half of the season and do something that way. That way you would have Morton, if you do go on to win the series either in game four or game five, you would have Morton ready to go for a game one start in the NLCS. Um, But if they're losing two games to one by the time they get to game four, I do think you probably would see Charlie Morton start that game Mm -hmm. and maybe only pitch like three or four innings, but at least give you that start. And I think that a guy like Charlie Morton with the experience that he he has, the, the kind of veteran pitcher that he is, he will know to how how to prepare himself the best way possible for this kind of situation. You know, he's pitched in huge playoff series before, um, and I think that he's a guy who you um, can trust to kind of adjust uh, to how the series develops and just get himself ready to be a productive member of the pitching staff. However, he needs to be used, whether it's in that game four or anytime else. So I think it's a good I think it's a good kind of decision by by Snicker, and I'm sure that he also had input from. Alex Anthopoulos and and maybe even those pitchers themselves in terms of what they would kind of prefer doing. So I think that it's a it's a good strategy for the Braves. Well, and this also opens us up to the discussion that apparently is a discussion to have uh, in who's going to make this postseason roster. Yeah. I I thought it was I thought out of out of any year this year specifically seemed to me like one where we know pretty closely who those 26 names are going to be with the exception of maybe one or two. I thought any question of who was going to make the roster uh, would be in the pitching staff, not with, you know, anyone hitting. And yet I I saw all on Twitter this week that there's apparently – a lot of discussion <laughs> to be had of who the bench players yeah. are going to be for the Braves. So, Joe, just I guess first off, uh, when it comes to the roster, do you think there are are uh, more questions than maybe I'm giving on, or do you think it's pretty much solidified? Um, you know, I think it's, uh, I think there are some questions. I mean, let's kind of go through it first. We're kind of going off of Mark Bowman's predictions. Mark is obviously a clued into anybody uh in the Braves world um as you're likely to find so sure uh, his predictions are certainly a great place to kind of base our conversation on uh but first you kind of have to decide what you want this roster to look like in terms of the uh how many pitchers and how many uh position players are you going to carry because you know in a in a playoff series like this where you kind of go back to the old style where you have lots of days in between games I don't think it's necessary to really um, like especially to bring 14 pitchers is way overkill. I think even 13 potentially is too much, but I think you're either looking at 12 or 13 pitchers and that way you can kind of load up your bench. You can have more guys coming off uh, to, to pinch hit if you need. I think that it makes sense in a postseason series, just you, with the days off that you wouldn't normally have during a regular season to kind of change the way that the roster um, is composed, what the, what that roster composition looks like in terms of the pitchers and catchers. Um so let's go through the pitchers first, actually, before we get to the position players. Um, Bowman has locks on four starters, Charlie Morton, Max Reed, we've already talked about, Ian Anderson, and Waskar Yanoa. Probably not a surprise to anybody. I don't nope. know if Waskar Yanoa would actually start any games this postseason, depending on how far the Braves go. He probably would if they go to the NLCS. He would be needed to start uh, at least one game. But um, he's definitely a guy you would be willing to use out of the bullpen. And I think Brian Snicker has said that they will use him out of the bullpen as needed um, in games 
one and two, which I think makes sense because of what we talked about with Charlie Morton potentially being able to go in game four and at least give you three or four innings to start that game. Um, well, so, yeah. but here's a question I have for you, because, mm-hmm. and, and this might be a place where, where we differ. If the Braves are up 2-1 in this upcoming series, do you start Waskari Noah and have Charlie Morton available to pitch a couple of innings, kind of as we've seen other starters do in the past, or swap that and you want to see Charlie Morton start game four and then have Waskari Noah available to come in and kind of do that role? I would probably, because I'm kind of risk averse, I would say I would say you start Charlie Morton in Game Four, regardless of what happens. Interesting. But I don't know if that I don't think that that's necessarily the way the Braves are thinking about this situation, no. because I think that they would really value having Charlie Morton ready to go in Game One of the NLCS. Um, me personally, I would just rather get there, like focus on getting there first, use whatever you need to use to get there before you try to set yourself up down the line. But that's just me. I don't know. Do you have a take on that before we? Uh- so I so I differ from you in that because it is this opening series, mm-hmm. give me Waskar Renoa in Game Four. It, it I know I understand uh, his stuff since coming back from the injury has not been the same. However, I just when like <laughs> Charlie Morton's thirty seven years old. Yeah, and, that's true. That's, and, and, that, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. And, and I think I feel differently about this division series versus the NLCS, whereas I, you know, I want you throwing everything you've got to get to the World Series. Um, and now I get you'd be like, well, Caleb, you got to get past the Brewers to get there. I understand that, but I think following up and having. Um, a fully rested Max Freed to start a game five if you got there um, gives you a, a, a much better shot. And I like the idea of starting Waskar Enoa, but then having more like if things, you know, are getting really tight, um, then having the option to, to throw Morton out there just in that division series, completely flip it on its head for the NLCS. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's good. So, um, so that those are the starters that Bowman has, four starters. Um, and then here are the eight relief pitchers that he has. Uh, he, I put kind of labeled these as locks because he had locks labeled in the position players, but he didn't technically label these as locks. But here's the eight, the eight relief pitchers he picked, which you can automatically just chalk, you know, chalk up Will Smith, Luke Jackson, Tyler Matzik, AJ Minter. Those guys are clearly, clearly locks. Um, I would say Jesse Chavez is a lock just by the from the way that he's pitched this year, despite the sure. fact that he's just a name that's kind of come out of nowhere and yeah. was more of like a like a sentimental kind of figure uh, when he was first kind of brought back to the Braves at the major league level here this year, but until he actually pitched really well and has proven himself to be pretty versatile. So I would also include him as being a lock. Uh, and then you've got for the remaining three, you've got Rich Rodriguez, Chris Martin, and Jacob Webb. And then you've kind of got these three other possibilities in Drew Smiley, Spencer Strider, and Dylan Lee. Now, I would say that how many pitchers do you think we should pick here? Should we bring 12 or 13? If it's 12, we need to pick three pitchers out of these six. And if it's 13? I mean, I... It's like 13 seems so many. I know. It seems like too many. But when you get 26... um, you know, kind of like, well, I, I could say I'm I'm still going to stick with 12. I think it's just going to be 12. Okay. Let's just um, say it's 12. Let's just say it's 12. Sure. So 12 pitchers. And so that this basically means we have to pick three from 
Richard Rodriguez, Chris Martin, and Jacob Webb, Smiley, Strider, and Dylan Lee. Those are the kind of six that we're looking at. Maybe you could potentially say a guy like Sean Newcomb would be in contention as well. I don't think he would be, um, you know, but these are the ones we're going to focus on for this conversation. Um, now, before we came on, <laughs> Richard, Richard Rodriguez was a point of contention, Um Obviously, yeah. his top line stats have been good for the Braves this year. He certainly helped kind of level out this bullpen when it was rocky and they really needed a right-handed arm when the Braves picked him up um, at the trade deadline. Not trying to understate his importance to the team and what they were able to accomplish this year. But if you just look at what he's done this last month, especially, his form has not been great. And if you look overall at his time with the Braves, um, you know, his ERA is a 312, which is great, but his, you know, fielding independent pitching, his FIP is a, is a 6.17. So basically that just shows that he's gotten pretty lucky in terms of the contact that he's given up and, you know, how that's manifested in runs. But what I'm most um, concerned about is the fact that with the Braves, he's thrown 26 innings this year and he only has nine strikeouts. <laughs> And I think it's because he just kind of throws a fast. He throws the fastball all the time, and he's pretty much. It's like he acknowledges that guys are going to hit it. It's just a matter of whether it goes into somebody's glove or not. Um, and here's kind of what I wanted to get at when we were. I was kind of saying I had kind of a more overarching thesis to all of this, which is that I think by you know the virtue of the Braves, when you see a guy like Spencer Strider, who was in Low A, who started the season at Low A and is now obviously finished this season in the major leagues, pitching in this series against the Mets, I think that what this points to is the fact that the Braves understand that they need pitchers in the postseason coming out of the bullpen who can come in and strike guys out, like who have overpowering yeah. stuff. Because remember how it was in that Dodgers series last year against the Braves? It seems like every guy they were pulling out there was some guy you've never heard of but he can throw like 102 miles an hour, no problem. And it's, yeah. you know, it's like, and that's the kind of, um, that's the kind of profile of pitcher you'd almost rather have, despite their experience and all that. I mean, that of course plays a part into it, but really, it really, really helps to be able to throw 100 miles an hour <laughs> uh, in the postseason, and especially if you're a guy like Spencer Strider, where there's not a ton of like tape on you, guys have never batted against you before. Maybe that actually um, plays to your advantage there. So. Um, I do. Having said all that, I do think Richard Rodriguez makes it onto this roster. I would actually say that Chris Martin would be a guy who might not make it onto the roster uh, because you know his stuff has just really fallen off here as of late too, and he is no longer a guy that I would really ever want to see come out of the bullpen. I hate to say that because he's been so important. Um, so having said all that, I would probably pick of these six players. Oh, and I also want to say something about Drew Smiley, and because this is a point of contention as well. He's always been kind of a contentious uh, figure to talk about this season for various reasons. Um, I would probably put him on this roster just because I feel like uh, I, just the versatility that he gives you as a guy who can you know pitch many innings. If you have an in, extra inning game or something that comes up, you know he's a guy who could just. I don't know, eat innings. And um, I don't know, maybe potentially if you add Drew Smiley, you don't bring as many pitchers. I I'm not sure. But I kind of, despite the fact that he gives up the home run ball quite a bit um, and his stuff is not the most overpowering, I'd kind of rather see someone like him over uh, Jacob Webb or Chris Martin. Uh, anyway, so I would pick, of these six, I would probably pick Richard, Richard Rodriguez. I can't believe I'm going to say Drew Smiley, but I'm, I'm going to put Drew Smiley in there and Spencer Strider. To be perfectly honest with Dylan Lee, 
I don't really know anything about him. So I, I don't want to like throw him on the roster without really kind of knowing exactly who the guy is. Well, first off, I feel like you slightly stole my thunder. Uh, oh, in I? that, Well, I didn't realize we were going to agree on a, on a specific point. Um, almost. Uh, so when it comes to Spencer Strider, you are 100% right. When this move was initially announced, I was so anti-Spencer Strider. Not for the fact that I'd have anything against the guy. Just for the fact that I was like, hold up. This guy was pitching in in, in A ball this year. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, has just risen through the ranks that quickly. One could look at that in a positive light and be like, he was so impressive that... Clearly, he was, you know, probably classified in the wrong, um, you know, in, in the wrong place to start with. Unbelievable right, numbers. Yeah. 153 strikeouts and 94 innings. Yeah. Uh, and then you saw his stuff, and I I made the mistake in that his home run ball, I was like, oh, there you go. You know, he, he finally throws the littlest bit off speed, and it gets taken long. But then I stuck around, and... And uh, Peter Moyland made a point about this during the game, which was actually, it was a little contentious there between Jeff Francoeur and Peter Moylan, where Jeff kind of scolded Spencer Strider and was like, yeah, you know, you, you, you left it up there. And I, I can't even remember who was at bat, but somebody who doesn't hit a lot of home runs. Mm-hmm. I think it was Brandon Nemo. Um, doesn't hit yeah, a lot of home right. runs and, and took him long. And Peter Moylan was like, Jeff, you need to go check the tape because actually Brandon just choked up and got lucky on that one. And when you saw the pitch that Strider threw, it was pretty far inside. Mm-hmm. And you were right. Like Peter was right that Brandon apparently just, you know, was was on the edge of the batter's box and choked up a little bit and was just able to drive that one. And so, sorry, you were, you were stopping me? Well, yeah, I just want to play, you know, Brian Snicker did discuss Strider after okay. that outing, so I just want to play his audio real quick. I thought it was good. I, I've been very impressed with him and Dylan Lee, both of them, how they've handled themselves. Um, <clears throat> no, I like Strider a lot, a lot. I, I see why guys um, are high on him in the minor leagues. There's a classic snit pause there yeah. in the middle of the sentence. But, yeah, so I think, you know, that's pretty pretty good for Strider to kind of get that kind of nod of approval from Snicker, yeah. I feel like. Well, and the thing was, is because, I mean, he, he, all of his fastballs were right there, 9,900. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the thing that was it, like, when I thought about it later, was like, well, none of his fastballs got taken long. It was just when he threw some off speed, that was truly inside, guy got lucky, and... And I, I think I overreacted to seeing that initially. Whereas you are 100% right. Whether it was, uh, was it Urias and Dustin May last year for the Dodgers? Like it was all of these guys who were coming in for somewhat short stints who were throwing 100, 101 kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And the Braves couldn't touch it. And so yeah. um, I think Rich Rodriguez... Honestly, I'll say this. I think Rich Rodriguez makes this postseason roster just for the fact of he was a part of those um, trade deadline moves. Honestly, I'll put it there. (laughs) I I mean, no lie. Does he really deserve to be on this roster? 
I mean, shoot, his lasting memory against the Mets wasn't exactly ideal. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of in the eye of the beholder with him. It's like, do you see it, yeah. You know, his his results as like well, positively or negatively? And and let's be honest, Rich Rodriguez is not seeing the field unless the Braves are losing. Right. Yeah. That that's the only way that's going to happen. No. Yeah. And, and, and I get that. Also, too, we might be debating some guys who also only see the field if the Braves are losing. However, um, those innings do matter because you know do. Does who Brian Sticker sends out keep them in the ball game or just make it unreachable? Which there, I feel like there were some times last postseason where that was what happened. You know, guys like Chris Martin, who I don't want on this roster. I didn't know we were going to agree on that. Mm. Uh, but Chris Martin is a guy I do not want on this yeah. roster, uh, and was a guy who w- was you know very costly for the Braves a year ago. I, I think he'll he's gonna end up making it just because it just seems like a, a snit guy you know a guy that snicker would love to have on his roster but I'm not I would not be thrilled to see him on that well, roster I definitely wouldn't be thrilled to see him come in a game and he's he's one that um that attachment should be gone just because there's not like <laughs> I, I'm yeah. thinking about when we saw him last what was it oh getting injured and then pretty much screwing over the Braves. Uh, as they tried to make a World Series, so do you want do you know, do you want that to happen again, Brian Stinker? No, I don't think so. So I would I would leave him off. Uh, also, I think the only way Drew Smiley makes this roster is if the Braves go thirteen pitchers. Um, I okay. just yeah, I don't that, that I don't, makes sense. Yeah, I don't I don't think there's any circumstances if they keep it at twelve. Uh, I like Jacob Webb um more as an arm than i do drew smiley i don't care how versatile he is i just don't trust him i actually um, I, I like jacob webb too i think jacob webb gets a hard deal because he's had some kind of high profile incidences <laughs> yeah um, but, but yeah but he's also one too that for the most part at least has looked a lot better uh Definitely. and even and also uh you know I, I think about mental health and and what's good for his psyche he got that moment Mm-hmm. To finish off the season, to um, well now I'm blanking on what's his name for the Mets uh, that he hit the guy that he hit um, yeah uh, it wasn't Nimmo who was it it was uh, I forget too I'm blanking anyways but to have that moment of them Kevin Pilar there Pilar. we go it, Pilar. it popped to me uh, but to have that moment of like tip of your cap like we're good mm-hmm. everything's fine and, and for them to pitch against each other I thought that was really good for Jacob Webb's psyche and. And why I would I would leave him on the roster. And and Snit said that when he went to AAA, there were specific mechanical things they wanted him to work on. And mm-hmm. the reason they called him back up was because they felt like he had gotten to that point where they got him. He was at where they wanted to see him. The Braves, the, the personnel people. Um, and so I think that's really you've seen it when he's come back. He's been a much better pitcher. Um, yeah. The I, I would say one other thing about like Chris Martin and and some of these pitchers, something to keep an eye on is when you're looking at. Um, the fact that the Braves, you know, it's been a kind of an issue for them for most of the season, but just the right-handed arms, they, they just had the, the, the right-handed arms are not nearly the quality as the left-handed arms are out of this yeah. Braves bullpen. You think about Will Smith, Tyler Matzik, AJ Minter, you know, those guys are all pretty high quality left-handed arms coming out of the bullpen. And really on the, from the, on the right-hand side, the only guy you really have a ton of faith in right now is Luke Jackson. And so that's why I think some of these guys like Richard Rodriguez and Chris Martin 
are kind of, you know, just being talked about and have a legitimate shot to make this bullpen because they just are that right-handed arm. But I think that that's also why you've seen the Braves want to, like, test out some other arms when you look at guys like Spencer Strider. Uh, and that's why I, I think hurts Dylan Lee because the, the Braves already have so many left-handed arms. Um, tough for him, for me to see him kind of breaking through into that group. Um but we'll see. Uh, there's a lot less to discuss, in my opinion, about like who would make the roster uh, in terms of position players. I agree. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that, you know, so we've got it, it, we just went through 12 pitchers. We just selected 12 pitchers. And so based on Bowman's projections, all of these guys would actually be on the roster. So we'll, let's just go through them. Catchers, you would have two in Darno and Contreras. Infielders, you got Freddie Freeman, Ozzy Albies, Dansby Swanson, Austin Riley, uh, Ari Adranza. In the outfield, you've got Eddie Rosario, Adam Duvall, Jorge Soler, Jack Peterson. That's pretty much that's standard. Uh, and then your extras, the, these guys who are kind of on the fence, but all of these guys would make it based on the pitchers that we selected would be Orlando Arcia, Guillermo Heredia, and Christian Pache is the third one. He's kind of been the one that I've heard that's kind of been the most more, most of like a, a lightning rod for people because uh, I think like Dave O'Brien was talking about it on Twitter with somebody recently saying that you know, he's just totally overmatched the plate. His defensive numbers weren't even that great in the majors this year. Um, and so would he really be beneficial to you? Would he actually really provide value? He To me, that's probably the one that's like – on the brink of being in or out, depending on how many pitchers you want to carry. So, like, if you did want to add Drew Smiley to that list of relief pitchers, I think Christian Pache is the name that would be on the chopping block. 100% agree. Here's my thing. Here's why you carry Christian Pache. He's fast. Yeah. He's fast, and you can have that option as him. His role on this postseason should be as a base runner Mm -hmm. and as potentially – if something goes wild and you're playing an extra long game, you go into extra innings. Because also remember, postseason rules, getting rid of putting a runner on second base in extra innings. So extra innings are potentially going to last longer than they have during the regular season. You leave him there as a base runner and you leave him there as a defensive um, you know, a substitution after you've already used Guillermo Heredia. Because I think Guillermo Heredia has earned that role and has played better, even defensively. Mm-hmm. There were def- there was defensive numbers that that Dave O'Brien threw out this week when somebody was talking about, well, come on, Christian Pache is a better defender than Guillermo Heredia, and it's like not this year he wasn't. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, he only played, I think he was on the roster for like 30, 40 games, something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. It wasn't very many, but in those stretches, like Guillermo Heredia. Played better defensively, uh, and you can at least count on Gamma Heredia having a better bat for sure than than what you've seen out of Christian Pache in the past. But because it's 26 players, and I don't think you need any more than 12 pitchers, I think Christian Pache makes it as a base runner. However, in our scenario, you want to take Christian Pache off and throw Drew Smiley in. I'm fine with that, even though I might not do that myself. Yeah, I agree with you, I think. I, I think I would prefer to wh- – whoever the pitcher is that would get cut, I, I think I would rather have Pache on the roster versus your worst bullpen option. Yeah. Um, and I think that one thing that hasn't really been discussed, or at least I haven't seen it discussed, is uh, his arm as well. Like When we talk about defense, you know, Christian Pache has thrown some guys out from, from the outfield, has some outfield assists that are – impressive like there's yeah he has a talented right. talented arm so uh you know and that's not like i would 
play both of them as a defensive late defensive subs if you have like a solid lead you know sure. um i just I'm, I'm with you i think that there are enough just like little things that he does that give you an edge over what some other guys may be able to do on your roster that it's worth carrying a guy like that and i also think that you just want a deeper bench in the postseason anyway so that you can make yeah. these kinds of subs and you can bring on pinch hitters without really fear of you know like running out of running out of those types of guys so um yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. And hey, he did. Hit, I think he hit a home run in the postseason last year. Not that I would he ever did. expect that to happen again, but uh, maybe that was dumb luck. But uh, I don't know. He did. He had a decent year at the plate after he went down to to Gwinnett. wasn't wasn't amazing, but but I, I th- but here's my thing, Joe. Wasn't that what got him called up in the past? Yeah, it was. was supposed to be. Yeah. He looked good in you know at AAA. He looked good in Mississippi. Which shout out to the Mississippi uh, Braves yeah. for yes. for you know they won their division first time since uh, it was like two thousand eight. They, or something they won like that. the Double A championship, right? Yeah, the, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what it's called. But. Um, but you know, shout out to them for that. Uh, but he looked good then, and then came up to the majors and was just absolutely overwhelmed by uh you know other uh, by major league pitching and he also like you talk about his defense this season specifically his defense was not as good as it was last year and in the postseason and i think that was part of why it was kind of like you know like, like, yeah I, I it's so weird like i don't know it's almost seemed like he was like has like had nerves or something in the outfield yeah it's like the the routes to the ball are not correct and you clearly know that he's got the defensive ability and maybe it's just experience and stuff but it was very weird seeing him play this year and just how that outfield defense never kind of came together for him yeah so i'm i'm with you so i I feel like we're we're you know uh along the same mindset when it comes to uh this roster i just i saw a lot of guillermo heredio versus christian pache talk that I just didn't understand because I, I thought it was an easy call. Heredia. If it's between the two of them, it's Heredia, yeah. 100%. Yeah. But yeah, it could and, be both, which I think is kind of what we're kind of leaning towards. And Yeah, and I and I agree. And that was that was kind of my take as I, as I feel like maybe people have forgotten, because uh, it's easy to do, that it used to be a 25-man roster two seasons ago. But we're now at 26 with that ability and with the fact that you know that like as we've discussed i just don't think you need a 13th arm because i doubt you're really going to get there and if you're going to get there you're not winning games yeah that i definitely want more offense uh and i feel comfortable with this squad uh against the brewers it should be a a good series the brewers are not a good hitting team which i would be worried about if i were them just because you know obviously you need pitching in the in the postseason but you got to have some timely hitting and stuff and a guy guys like christian yelich has just not been the same this year so uh i kind of like i know i know the bookies don't like the i will they like the brewers a little bit over the braves but I, I, i like the braves in this series i think they've got the pitching to match the brewers even though the brewers have two legitimate like top tier uh pitching pitchers as well in uh, Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff. Um, it's just going to make for a great series, some really good pitching matchups, and it's going to be, I think, a lot of close, close games. Yeah, absolutely. And don't forget that a pretty controversial thing happened for the Brewers right after yeah. they they clinched that the Devin Wascar Williams. Yeah, he pulled a Wascar <laughs> Although his was in celebration, I think, as opposed to Wascar Yanoa's, which was in uh, Yeah, in frustration. Yeah. But Nevertheless, same scenario happened, and Devin Williams, who was the Brewers' setup man, Rookie fractured year last his, year, right? Yeah, fractured his right hand, and he's out. He's done for. 
So I, I definitely feel like the Braves have uh, a bit of the upper hand and can capitalize on some something that you know I'm, I may not believe too much in as far as momentum, but something that can can yeah like for sure just it, just winning games towards the end of the year, which is something that I think the Braves haven't done in the past in the postseason. They've kind of fumbled the bag as they headed into the postseason, and they did do that this year. So. I like their chances and, um, you know, kind of hoping for the best as, as they get started here at the at the end of the week. I, a quick prediction because I got to go. Uh, you want to make a prediction in the series? I'll say Braves in four. Be spicy. There you go. Uh, I like I like Braves in four um, only because I think I think the Braves lose game three. OK, um, I, I think that is the game that Braves coming home. I, I think they slip up in game yeah. three. Yeah. And, and close it out in game four. Um, anything else you want to get to before we get out of here? I think that's it. All right. Well, I appreciate everybody for tuning in to Batter Up. For my co-host, Joe Patrick, I'm Caleb Johnson. You guys have a great week. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 